This is the Living Fearless Today podcast, a show that helps men like you and me who are struggling to get unstuck and overcome fear to live confidently and courageously. I'm your host and transformation coach, Mike Forrester, helping you create the change you want now. Join me as I interview men who've conquered their challenges and soared to success as they spill their secrets on how they live fearless today. Well, hello and welcome back, my friend. Man, this week I'm bringing you Chris Voss. So Chris is a serial entrepreneur, author, beacons of leadership, new book. He's a speaker, YouTuber, coach, CEO of multiple companies, and host of the Chris Voss Show podcast. And uh, man, I just love the transformation, the journey that he's made. And so I'm excited to bring you today, Chris. Uh, Chris, how are you doing today, my friend? Good, man. I came on the show, Mike, to live fearlessly. Just today, though. Live fearless today. Just today. Can I there do that go. tomorrow, too? Is that How does that work? We, we can totally do it every day, but it's just we're starting with today to make it uh, to- that first step. There you go. The first step is always today. Yep, <laughs> That's exactly. all you ever have is today and now, right? Yeah. It's, it's a great place to start with because if you don't have today, you don't have tomorrow. Well, you know, uh, or you can procrastinate and put it off tomorrow, but you don't want to do that. <laughs> I've done that too many times, but yeah, you know I mean? <laughs> it just becomes like groundhog day. Yeah. 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 I'll, I'll tell you what it's like tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> so thanks for having me on your show. I certainly appreciate it. I'm honored and uh, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you for joining me. Hey, Chris, can we start out like where things are on the business side for you right now? Uh, business side for me, I, I just got this, uh, book I wrote launched at least, uh, I don't know. I lost most of my sanity and mentality writing this book over six months over the coronavirus. Well, I think, I think a lot of it was written in like three, three and a half months, but it was a collection of my experience and stories. And, uh, so I just got that out October 5th. Um, uh, you know, it's, it's basically trying to relaunch the whole speaking career and touring career and all that sort of stuff. If we ever get out of the kind of environment we're in right now. Uh, but it looks like events are going to hold together. You know, we've got some great shows going on SEMA, CES, and different things. Uh, the podcast has been doing really well. Some of the adjustments we've made at the beginning of coronavirus made me really fall in love with it again. Um, and uh, doing consulting, coaching, and of course the book, you know, launches a lot of that sort of uh, sort of reinitiates that whole thing and, and, uh, and gets that going on. So business is good. Uh, we just had our biggest uh, month in, you know, since the coronavirus started last, last month. And so, uh, fingers crossed, you know, hopefully inflation doesn't get too uh, weird and, and we can, uh, kick, kick butt and take names. Right. And what about on the personal side? What do things look like there? Uh, personal side, I'm living under a Vidoc. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not. Really under <laughs> personal side is great. You know, there's a lot of stuff that I, um, I, hopefully, you know, a lot of people learn some lessons and realign their values over this. 
when I started with coronavirus, you know, uh, up until coronavirus, I was running around going, make money and be successful. And, you know, uh, personal friends, relatives and stuff, you know, I, I'll get you some time in every now and then. But it, a coronavirus really honed me to what was important in life and uh, really brought it hard home. It was like, what's the most important thing that you have that you can lose in life? And uh, coronavirus, you know, basically said, hey, man, uh, we can take the people you love and we can take them in a week and you won't be able to hold their hand as they uh, pass. Uh, you won't be able to go to their funerals. Uh, that was initially. Um, and uh, we can take them. And uh, it's totally random. And it's a lottery card that's got a high hit to it. And, uh, you know, you can have your fine cars and your fine houses and all that, you know, nice stereo equipment and, and stuff you own. But uh no we can take your we can take your stuff at any time and uh so i sat down and went what is the most important thing to me in life and it was my two sisters at the time that were in care centers and uh my mother and uh i said wow i really want to keep them around so um hopefully i, I think uh, coming out of it i still value those things and realize that you know the other things in my life are replaceable uh easily but uh people are not yeah, I think it's put a lot of us on a different perspective of what our priorities are and and what truly matters because you know like you said it it can change so quickly and we took things for granted that we could just get out go that people would be there and life you know gave us a different perspective on it different viewpoint so totally understand that it could be um, over in a heartbeat yeah and you know, it's, I, th I think that's given like a different, not just mental shift, but a heart shift as well is like, what's, what's truly important, not just to make the bank look good, but for, you know, me to feel good, to, to have those relationships. Um, and I think some people started out thinking, Hey, I can be isolated and I'll be okay. But it's like the relationships still need to be there, even for us as, you know, introverts or, um, you know, kind of more quarantined off, right? Yeah. <laughs> There's still a, a, a certain level that we want. I mean, as humans, we need community. We need uh, tribalism. We need, we need to be, we need to be part of a community and socialize. It's really unhealthy if we don't. So when things were locked down, how did you, how were you able to make that happen where you had community and you had relationships where you're not able to leave? Uh, you know, that was one of the great things that created a proponent for the book. Uh, when it first happened, I was in horror. And, and we talked in the green room about uh, pre-show about uh, about my 2008 experience in, in going through the, the Great Recession and uh, losing my little empire of companies and having to restart over from ground zero and literally losing everything. And um, uh, so when coronavirus hit, uh, at first, you know, I mean, every every day it was like my big shows were canceling the big shows that we make a lot of money at south by southwest ces nab show all these different events that i tour around to and we would do uh podcast remotes at these shows and different things and you know i, I was just watching money just evaporate in the space that was guaranteed because of the client bus business we'd built over years and years and so it was like watching 100 to 200 grand just just go up and smoke just light on fire and go Bye-bye. You won't be seeing that this year. And of course, now it's almost turned into two years. Um, and 
so it was it was it was it was a hard pound in uh, 2008 you know it was a slow death and you know you're fighting to revive it and, and you're just trying to cpr the patient uh this thing was like blows body blows and uh what i found myself reeling was we're probably going to go through another i i assume we probably were going to go through another 2008 uh uh recession um it's kind of weird how this one turned out but there's still some aspects to it that are dangerous economically. Um, but I, I just went, okay, I have a toolbox. I have a toolbox from 2008 where I lost everything and I lived through it and I, and I made it out and I built another successful career and other businesses out of it. Uh, I can do this. I have this, I have this callous, I have this ability. Um, so we're just going to go back to the toolbox, back to basics. Uh, as I talk about my book with uh, coach, uh, I forget the name of the coach who, who said that, but, you know, go back to basics. It was the great NBA or it was an NBA. It was college uh, uh, coach. Um, mm-hmm. Go back to basics. Huh? Was it coach Wooden? Yes. Wooden. Coach Wooden. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, go back to basics, go right back to, you know, I used to do this in my business is one of my tool, one of my toolbox things, go back to basics, go back to doing the simple stuff, but the stuff that works, work hard, uh, you know, work smart, get out of it. And so, uh, that's what I, that's what I did. I just re-embraced it. Um, the other thing, if you don't mind me going a little long here, uh, I was really, I, I started feeling a little depressed. I started feeling a lot depressed. Let's be honest. Uh, it was like this again, like, do we have to do this every 10 years for the rest of my life? Is this the new thing? And one of my friends posted Robert Scoble on Facebook. Uh, he posted, and this is from someone else who I, I we never have sourced it, uh, but they posted the words, this is what you do right now. You do one of two things. You either be a lifter or you find a lifter. That's what you do right now. And so I really need a lifter, but I sat down and I said, okay, am I a lifter or uh, do I need to find a lifter? And, and I thought, what assets do I have? I have the ability to, I have my podcast. I have my online social media. I have the ability to be a lifter, but I got to fake it till I make it. I got to push through this and I got to be a lifter and that will empower me to, by lifting other people, you know, this is what men do. You know, we, we step forth, we problem solve, we lift people and we pull them up and and that's how we you know, you know that's how we got through where we are today as as a humanity um and so that's what i did and so i started faking it till i make it in fact if you listen to those podcasts back then my voice is cracking i think i was i think i was cracking a couple of times but i just powered through and i tried to help other people as much as i could and i and i said hey you know i've been through this before we're going to go through it again here's what i did then here's my toolbox uh try it see what it works Let's all try and keep swimming, you know, and, uh, it got me through it. And, uh, we, we realigned the, um, the podcast to something I I wanted to do that was more about the world than just about business. And, uh, I fell in love with it again. And, uh, here we are today. That's awesome. Yeah. Now with, with that quote where you're either needing to be lifted or you are a lifter, like what's. What's the process of figuring out, hey, I need to be lifted up or, hey, I can muscle through like you were to lift others up. What, what does that look like to figure out which side of the equation you're on? 
You know, I've been through a lot of dark times in my life. Uh, and, you know, a lot of people, there's a lot of people that have talked about this or said this and, in, in, you know, self-help books and, and other, you know, I think old tomes of whatever self-help book you want to say. Um, but sometimes when you, when you, when it feels like you have nothing left, when you have nothing left to give, when you're tapped out, that is the most important point to give back and not to give back expecting anything. But when you, when you're out of money, when you're broke, when you're losing everything, when the world seems like it's empty on you, that's the best time to get back to basics and go help somebody with something, go help a friend move. Um, there's a story I had one time where I was really broke and we, I had moved to Las Vegas. The, the receipts weren't coming for some reason. People weren't paying their bills in Utah and I was running the company from Las Vegas and uh, I was really down to my last like 30 bucks or something like that, 40 bucks or something like that. And I, the money just was not coming in, but it was owed to us. You know, we'd done the business. We were just trying to get this money and it wasn't showing up. And I'm like, do I have to drive back to Vegas and start banging on doors or Utah and banging on doors? And I remember I was at 7-Eleven and I saw this guy who was homeless and he had a shopping cart, but he was reading the paper. Like, and that's not normally something you see at homeless people in, in Las Vegas, you know, there's a lot of drug issues there and, and gambling losses. And I just had this weird thing to go give him 20 bucks. And I'm like, I only have 40 bucks left to my name. I, I'm going to give him a half. You know what? He he's, he's, he's worse off than I am. And I had a, I had that vision of gratitude and I gave him 20 bucks. And I didn't expect anything to happen. If I'm going to hit rock bottom, at least I'm going out helping somebody. The next day, my my post office box was full. Now, it wasn't full because I gave that guy 20 bucks. But my the paradigm in my brain of having gratitude and giving back when I had almost nothing left to give was a really important perspective to keep me balanced. And sometimes that's what you got to do. That's what I did when uh, I was I had to be a lifter. I had to say, okay. I've got to have a gratitude. Who am I and what do I have to give? And I have an audience. So I'm like, I'm in a position where I can help people. Every, every man or woman is in a position to help other people when they want to. And sometimes when you have nothing left to give, that's the best time to give. And that's something that as I was reading through, like you talked about Tony, when you were, you know, selling cars, like he gave you 10 bucks at the time to, uh, I mean, it's not 10 bucks anymore, but he yeah. gave you 10 bucks to go get, um, uh, Tony Robbins. One of, I think it was Tony Robbins. No, it was Zig, it was Zig Ziglar. Yeah. I apologize. Yeah. It was one of Zig Ziglar's, um, mm -hmm. closing the sale. Yeah. And that helped you. And even when you went to give it back to him, if I remember correctly, he's yeah. like, no. So yeah. it was like not having that expectation. Like you're talking about just being able to help somebody out. Yeah. And, uh, if I remember Tony did that as well later where he taught you a lesson and he knew <laughs> your financial situation, man. Yeah. And he taught you a lesson, you giving him 20 bucks. And it's like just the whole idea of, as you're sharing how Tony's living out his life, helping you out, um, you know, and he's not looking, how do I, you know, how do I get the money out of this kid, you know, or young guy at that time. But it's like, you know, he's looking to genuinely help you to lift you up. Yeah. And, he was one uh, of the greatest sales managers I've ever had. 
uh, or ever experienced. He taught me so much and I paid it forward with everything he taught me. And I taught that to every one of my salespeople, hundreds of salespeople, probably thousands of salespeople um, at Cincinnati Bell. I, I, I paid that forward. Uh, I didn't give him 10 bucks though, but I, I gave him the lessons he taught me. Um, but yeah, the Tony lessons of the book are some of my favorite stories. Yeah. And uh, those were stories where those moments, like I, I get chills thinking about how, if I had never had those moments, what my life would be, I'd probably be, I don't know, probably stuck working at McDonald's and in a dead end job going nowhere, just going, what's my life about? And there's nothing wrong with working at McDonald's, but unless you can turn into a really high paying career and own a McDonald's, maybe you want to move on. Yeah. Or a high level of satisfaction somewhere along the yeah, line. It's I mean, one of the two. If you're happy, you know, yeah. I mean, be happy, I guess that's your so, purpose. Right. So you had talked about, um, as far as like your toolkit and mm-hmm. being able to pull from that, how, how would I, or, or somebody else that's sitting here and going, Hey, I have lost my job or I'm on the verge of it because of what's going on right now. How do I figure out my toolkit? What's like, what's the step you would guide somebody through on that? Chris, I would say number one, go to gratitude. Gratitude is a really grounding place. Look at your assets. Go, what do I have that I have in my assets? And a lot of the stuff that disappears sometimes when you crash or you go bankrupt or you 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 lose it all, uh, or maybe you know there's people that leave your life and divorce or whatever. Um, a lot of those things can be replaced. But a lot of what your power is, your main asset is you. That's what's in this brain. And all of us have this great library of experiences and encyclopedia of, of, of life that we've experienced. And hopefully we've learned some things from them. But if you haven't, gratitude is the best way to sit down and do an asset list. What are my assets? What are my values? And revalue yourself. You know, over this 2020, I started seeing a lot of people talk about my value is this or my value is that. And I sat down and said, what is my value? And so, you know, unfortunately, we get that ego brain that uh, Eckhart Tolle talks about that, that really is abusive to us and it punishes us on the past. And the, the book, The Power of Now, was really important for me to get because it talked about what we're doing in the present, like your, the title of your uh, podcast today. Um, and you can't change the past. You, you, the only way you can change the future is by managing today and doing what is in this moment now. And so being in a method of gratitude and going, okay, I'm, I'm doing really good. And I remember I turned 50 and I posted on Facebook. Uh, oh God, I've turned 50. Oh, the horrors of turning 50. And I, you know, I was being half funny and facetious like I am. But somebody wrote me and said, you know, Chris, you should probably be a little bit of humility. There's a lot of people uh, who would like to be 50 right now that won't ever be 50 that are in the ground. And I was like, Oh, yeah, that gives me some perspective. So have have some humiliating gratitude. Sit down and look at your assets. What have you learned in life? What what are the lessons you've learned in life? What what have you accomplished in life? And to, to put your values down. And for some people, maybe that's a little hard, but put your values down and go, what 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 have I done in life? It's, what, well, that's pretty amazing. I got through that. I got through this. And sometimes looking back at your failures and how you got through them. Because we all go through those in life or lessons that you learned. Um, sometimes going through those 
uh, teaches us that, hey, I have the ability to do this. You know, what's that old saying? That which doesn't kill us <laughs> makes us strong. <laughs> stronger. <laughs> yeah, well, nothing is truer in life. life. Life is really, when you think about it and you understand the universe, this is a survival game of the fittest. And uh, some people aren't lucky. They get, they get a bad hand. They get a bad card. Um, they get cancer. They, you know, my sister has MS. She's younger than me. She's in a care center. You know, some people have bad hands. And if you're above ground and you've got a fair amount of your health and you've got a fair amount of your wits about you, you know, sit down and do an asset list and figure out what your value is. Make a value list. And you have value. Everybody has value. Well, I don't know. Some people may not have value, but they're mostly politicians. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, everybody has value. So sit down and figure out what is my value and find that value. And it's there. You just got to find it. And if you haven't learned for the last of your life, sit down and look at some of the things you've done in life and go, well, I'm good at this. I'm good at that. And if you're, if you don't feel you are, go help some people give back. And if you're not giving back, then you're not contributing properly to this universe. And that can be your value. So if I'm writing stuff out and I'm kind of shortchanging it going, and eh, that's not a value, you know, just discounting, you know, what value I've contributed or the experiences I've gone through, how do you kind of guide people through that process to make sure that they are getting it all out and giving it the appropriate value? I think you got to sit down and spend time. You've got to, you've got to be grateful. And there's something about being grateful about things. Like I started doing a thing during coronavirus where I started having grateful Sunday and Sunday. And, and I put on my calendar, if you look at my calendar, it's just like grateful Sunday, all you know, every Sunday. And I started sitting down on Sunday mornings and I started being in a quiet, peaceful space and alone and, uh, and going, what's going on with me in my life? Who am I? What's my value? What am I doing? And, um, you know, sometimes maybe I, I think if maybe people are depressed, you, you might want to see a clinical um, physician on that. I, I went through my depression and had to go on Zoloft at one time. If you feel that you're in that space and you can't get your uh, ADD to stop, go get help. Um, I highly recommend it. Um the uh, but sit down and enlist your values, and you have values. And if you don't, go get some values. Like start helping people. Call up a friend. Hey, do you need any help? Hey, somebody needs to move. You see a friend online who's you know I I can go through my Facebook every day, and there's people that are you know they're they're losing their dogs, they're losing their family, especially with coronavirus. And uh, start writing messages to them. Hey, you know even if it's something simple like be blessed. I I'm, I'm here for you. Do you need anything? Call me. Start reaching out to people and giving when you have, when it seems like you have nothing else to give just of yourself. Sometimes that's the best value that you can give to people and the most rewarding and most enriching. And I would say the other thing we talked about pre-show is make sure you have a tribe. I think one of the biggest problems that men have nowadays, in fact, I think they have studies on this is men used to have a thing where we used to go to bars. We used to go to games and especially pre-coronavirus, you know, we used to go to football games, but we used to tribe up as men. And at our base, we are cavemen. We, we get together as men and we go do stuff. We go kill a dinosaur. We go chase down a mammoth. We get together and how we get success or feel success as men is accomplishing stuff, 
fixing problems, achieving things, you know, you know, you, you like being the man around your house. And, you know, the one thing I would advise is you need to find your purpose in life. And this is what men do. Men have to have a purpose in life. And your purpose in life is not a woman. Your purpose in life may be being a provider to your family, being a provider to your woman. Your purpose should be providing for your family, security, income, money, being successful in life. A man needs to have hobbies. He needs to go do stuff. He needs to go solve stuff. And having a tribe is really important. So men used to have bars that we could go to. So we go drinking at the bars back in the you know, 60s, 70s, 50s, right? And we go talk about men's stuff with other men, the, the, the things that men used to do together. Uh, they don't really do. And I think a lot of men in the last five years have started figuring this out, that men need to get back to hanging out with other men and doing men's stuff together. This is really important. We don't need to just get a shoe to the dirtiest part of the house in the garage and, and just go live in a hole somewhere in, a, in, a, in, a, in a, the man cave. Okay. Um, we need to get together with other men. We need to hang out. We need to go fishing. We need to go do whatever men's stuff is. Like I'm going to go skydiving this year. I'm going to go racing some cars. You know, where you get those expensive cars and race them. Uh, I'm not really into guns, but I, I did pass an ax throwing place on the way to the thing. I, I started going to the gym and nothing will do better for you at the gym. I take you from a guy who went, didn't go to the gym all his life. And now has two gym memberships, go to the gym. This is what men do. This is what we always did. That goes back to our caveman things. And, uh, and that will help you like few other things help because you feel empowered. It, it, it raises your testosterone level. You know, we live in a world now too, that men have the lowest testosterone level because we're just sitting around watching TV and looking at phones. So those are some of my recommendations. Yeah. The gym for me, like particularly is vital because when I was fighting depression, I would go and play video games, just check out and, and mm -hmm. isolate. But when I go to the gym, I work out, whether it's cardio weights, whatever, Mm -hmm. I come back, I'm feeling more energized, you know, it, it chemically alters, you know, what's going on in our brain and, and releases yeah. chemicals. And I won't try and <laughs> especially testosterone. And if you want your wife or women in your life, uh, significant others, uh, uh, to look at you differently, like they really take notice when you start going to the gym, they're like, yeah, you're, you're looking pretty good. Yeah, over there. So, uh, and it helps with everything with your self-esteem. The other thing is you need an accountability group and you're a coach. Um, you need an accountability group. One of the things that helped me get this book written after 12 years or 11 years, 10 years of trying to write this book was we were in coronavirus. We got on uh, the clubhouse app, which was a huge community. It was kind of hot a year ago. And I started meeting all these people and I was telling my stories and they said, you need to put this in a book. And I had a bunch of great friends that a little tribe I built of community. And uh, one of my friends, I told him how, I think it was Chris Brogan uh, used to write an hour a day and have accountability group. And a couple of my other friends did. And I was like, we should do that. And I was just, you know, making that passing statement. One of my friends said, let's do that. I want to do that. So let's do it. And I'm like, okay, this is good for me. So I started sitting down and writing an hour a day <clears throat> out of that. I've had accountability group friends where uh, we, we have like a Google doc thing that we used for both the book and the gym. And uh, this is both men and women. And we, we uh, every day at midnight, we had to check in on the accountability sheet to say whether we went to the gym or not. Mm -hmm. And uh, I started using it as a journal 
and writing down what I, what I was doing. And um, I did the same thing with a book. And then suddenly the book just caught fire and, you know, went from one hour a night to, we were just trying to write an hour a day. It went from one hour a night to, you know, eight, 12, 15 hours a day to cram the book out. But having that accountability thing, having other, other men to kick you in the butt. I mean, we, we need community. We need men that are, um, you know, going to, to help us figure out whether, whether it is welding or it's gardening or, you know, it's hunting or like for me, it's barbecue. Yeah. Barbecue. (laughs) Yeah. That's, that's both my therapy and the thing that brings, you know, brings community about, cause it's like, I get to go out and do that. And then, you know, we'll, we'll talk about it or eat it, you know, just, um, you know, just like getting together. And, and so that's like you talked about earlier, that's my point of hobby. So, it, it, and it really does. A man needs to have hobbies and his hobbies don't need to include his family. He needs to be able to go do stuff with other men. And, uh, you know, family's great, but there, there's a time where a man needs to go out and hunt dinosaurs or woolly mammoths or whatever. We need that. We need that time, you know, and, and it's not, it's not uh, the hardest thing I think with a lot of men now, cause they, they did the studies and found, you know, we don't have bars. We don't get together as much anymore. We're, we're, we're more isolated now than ever with social media. So we've been trying to have this hard thing where we're trying to figure out how to be an alpha man, but we're also trying to connect with our feelings and, talk better and and be you know just more developed human beings overall and and we need to find that balance that's healthy but we still need to be alpha men we still need to be men who do stuff who fix stuff i I know she got an axe behind you that's kind of yeah that's actually from my son so he ended up getting he loves blacksmithing he's very you know like tactile works with Mm -hmm. his hands and so, um, yeah, the axe is actually, um, like from a previous axe that was used. And then there's a blacksmith that he remakes them, does a new handle, everything along those lines. So that was his gift to me. And that's actually, uh, where I'm working out a logo that's based on the axe. Um, because for me, it's, it's, it's amazing. I mean, that thing has a place I absolutely cherish it because it's from my son, you know? Mm. And, and, uh, so plus it's a, I mean, that's alpha, man. He's, (laughs) you know, this is, this is what men do. We work with our hands. We go fix the car. We go fix the dishwasher. We go, we go barbecue stuff. I'll attempt to fix the car, the dishwasher. (laughs) I mean, yeah, those cars are something else these days, but, um, you know, but we fix stuff, you know, uh, everyone looks to us and goes, Hey man, can you fix this? We're problem solvers. You know, we, we get together with other men and like you and I, we go, Hey, the car isn't working. Well, let's you and I tinker with it. We're going to try and figure this darn thing out. And maybe we will, maybe we won't, but we're going to do something. We're going to, and, and that's when men really feel complete. That's when we really feel like we're there. You know, it's that feeling that you give when you're providing for your family or taking care of your family or giving security to your family. I realized that I need to go do man stuff and I don't have to be a total caveman where, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just a total, you know, maybe disconnected from my feelings of your father and, and my father too. He's a narcissist. Um, you don't have to be that disconnected, but, you know, just do stuff. We accomplishing things is what we do. And, uh, and, uh, working out, feeling good and, and, and raising our testosterone level. I think that's where the gym really comes into play. I wanted to transition back to something you had alluded to earlier, like that this, 
the 2008 had prepped you for like what's going on now. Can you take us back there and, and tell us like, Hey, what did happen and, and how did you traverse it? Like what lessons did you learn from there? Yeah. Uh, so 2008, uh, I'd built a, a, a little empire of companies I like to call it uh, over 20 years. Uh, I thought that I would keep those businesses forever and I just had to keep building more if I wanted more or they would become more successful and grow bigger. And then 2008 came and well, our biggest business was the mortgage company. Uh, we had uh, we were in three states with four different offices and um, things were really good money-wise. Uh, I had our courier business that had been around for a long time. We had our uh, acting and modeling agency that had been around for a long time. And then a lot of little things that we were always trying to tweak and get going in little side action businesses. And, you know, we were always trying to find something that would go the distance and, and, um, but it's kind of hard. You, you reach a point of scale where you either got to get a full board and start bringing on partners and investors and stuff, or you've got to just try and see how much you can operate on your own. And so, um, the, the 2008 thing wiped it, wiped a, a lot of the mortgage businesses across the nation, everything, the economy came to complete freaking standstill. Uh, yeah, it was, uh, and so I was trying to keep the businesses afloat. I was trying to keep all the licensing afloat and the mortgage business licenses were expensive at that time. Uh, I was just trying to keep everything kind of just, you just tread water, keep swimming. And, uh, but I was losing everything. I mean, there was just, you know, and and hitting rock bottom and it was clear that the businesses weren't going to survive i didn't know how i was going to survive and it was just fighting uh, to to get everything to work and i found a friend who uh i you know i've been a real estate agent so i found a friend who owned a lots of I, there was lots of people in vegas who owned rental properties that they paid way too much for and they were trying to get renters in and i figured out that if you do rooms for rent in Vegas, you can you can almost make your nut for uh, your mortgage payment every month, uh, or you can come up a little short. But uh, the problem was there are people that they had paid so much for the home that it was above what the average rental price was before the crash. And so, uh, as a real estate agent, I was good at you know qualifying renters and managing renters, evicting renters, and all that sort of good stuff for the mortgage business. So I said, look, you know, uh, rent me a room for rent free and I'll manage, you know, several of your houses. Uh, so I started helping all these people manage, manage their rentals and stuff. And that kept me afloat. Uh, while I was trying to rebuild my business and give me a place to stay. And then, um, so I started filling all the, all the rental houses with room for rents and, you know, we'd have three or four people living in a house room to room, but everyone was so broke. Like no one can afford to have a house. I mean, it was just like we, there were neighborhoods where I lived up in the Northwest where every fourth home was occupied and the rest of the homes were empty. It was like a ghost town when you go down the street and you would go out in the front of the street and you'd hear these chirps and people would come by the house and they'd be like, wow, you guys have a lot of crickets up here. I'm like, those aren't the crickets. Those are the fire alarm batteries that have gone out in all these homes and no one's replaced them. Because a lot of them were second homes that people bought from California and then and then just abandoned and dumped. And so literally you had whole neighborhoods that were ghost towns. Just, it was crazy. And so I was just trying to survive. I was starting all these little businesses. I was, I was just, I was like, hey, well, let's maybe do this, maybe do that. Nothing was working. 
And I remember one of my friends came to me one time after about six to eight months, because I get like something going and then that would crash. And the economy just was not like no one's spending money. Everyone was filing bankruptcy. And my friend said to me, he goes, you tried so many things, Chris. He goes, if, if the news hit yesterday that you'd become an international arms dealer, I wouldn't be surprised because you've tried everything. Like, you know, uh, I didn't do anything illegal, but uh, he's like, I wouldn't be surprised because you're, you, you've just worked so hard. And I just kept doing that and doing that. And I've had this attunement that I talk about in my book where, you know, I look, listen, I collect data and I started hearing about this thing called Twitter. And I was like, what is this Twitter? And it was 2008 and it was just barely getting going. And no one, there was no such thing as social media. Like no one really, it wasn't a thing. And I was like, well, why is this becoming a thing? So I, I went and looked at it. And of course there wasn't much to do except go online. And, uh, I was like, what is it? What's going on in here? And I was like, oh, uh, so what, how does this work? And I, I figured it out and I'm like, oh, wow, if I post this, people actually go to my websites and maybe I can recover my companies. And so the more I posted, the more it would work. And I just figured out, you know, how, how the patterns worked and started gaming them. And, you know, I became one of the top people on Twitter at the time and social media and became, you know, started winning all these awards. And one day, um, I was just trying to save my own butt. <laughs> One day I got this call from this uh, company and the CEO goes, Hey man, you're really kicking butt at what you're doing. Uh, and it seems like you're really good at it and you're winning awards. We'll pay you to come teach us to what you're doing. And I was like, wait, you'll pay me for this crap. I mean, I just, I didn't think it was all that great, but you'll pay me for this. Sure. And that was my first check for this new business of being a social media uh, consultant. And uh, I did that for uh, pretty rock solid for about 10 years. And then now things have kind of transitioned into other different types of consulting and coaching and coaching has kind of become a thing. And the podcast has really, you know, hit its stride. And, uh, you know, it's just, you, you've got to just keep fighting and trying to figure out what your thing is. I, my one thing I would tell people though, is try and find your passion what you're passionate about, what you love about. And that, that probably ties into what I said originally, try and find your purpose. What's my purpose in life? What do I want to do? What drives me? What motivates me? What, what really turns me on at, at, at just activating me want to go do stuff? So what, because like, I can't imagine everything like renting out rooms is your passion yeah. or purpose. When you're well, it wasn't at the time. That was survival. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what I was like. I was realignment. How did you keep persevering when it's like, nope, here, here go all the companies. I'm trying this six months later. Nope, that didn't work. Now this isn't working. Like, how are you persevering and keeping that that tenacity and drive when it's one, you're getting hit so much, and then two, when it's not aligning with your passion? Yeah, there was a lot of vodka, and maybe I shouldn't have. Maybe the vodka, I could have curtailed that to make that stop. But um, no, it was just getting up every day and fighting. I was, you know, incredibly depressed. Um, I was drinking through some of it, uh, but not only at night. Uh, and, you know, I, I, had, I had some level of gratitude. I had my little family, my two dog family. Um, and so I had them by my side. So I had, I had the loyalty of them standing by me. My extended family, uh, immediate family, you know, they were a little bit supportive. 
they didn't really understand what I was going through because I was, you know, they were in Utah. I was in Las Vegas, but it was uh, at that point, it was just survival. I mean, there was no finding my purpose. There was no hitting bottom. It was just trying to survive and find a footing. But, you know, I didn't give up. I just kept trying different things. I kept pushing all the buttons and I was like, well, let me try this. Let me go try this. Let me try this. And I think that's what a lot of people do in life. When you really think about it on a grand scale, you try different things and some things click with you and, and work and some things don't like I've tried to be a photographer once. And I did that for a few years and bought a bunch of cameras. And then I realized I just don't have a talent for it. I just don't have a love of it. I have the love of the photo photography, but the editing is nightmarish. Uh, gaming the camera, we got the right f stop and stuff. I just do not care. I just want to take pictures and have fun framing them. Um, and uh, I just, I just, and I realized I didn't have a talent for it. I didn't, I didn't have a thing. But that's what we do throughout our whole life. That's what we do when we're dating. We're trying other on other people. We're seeing is this person compatible with me? We're learning, and maybe that's the key word: learning. We're learning about what we like, what we don't like, and so. When you're at your bottom, you know, what do you have to lose at this point, right? I lost my cars. Uh, you know, I lost my big house in the canyon. I didn't lose my big house in the canyon. Fortunately, before the, I'd sold my big house in Utah and moved to Vegas to do real estate investing. And so I was between houses. So I was really lucky that I didn't lose a home uh, and pick up a foreclosure. But, you know, I had to file bankruptcy. I had, my, I had all my business debt, my business, uh, my business partner's debt. Uh, you can read about that in the book. Um, and I had to start over. But, uh, you know, it surviving, trying to find what works, hitting all the buttons, trying all the things, you know, you just get up every day and you just, you just keep trying. I mean, I mean, other than that, you know, there's, I mean, you just, there's nothing else you can do except just keep fighting. You know, I used to think of myself as sometimes as that boxer who's just beaten down to the mat and you're beaten and bloodied and you're like, I can still move this finger. I'm still here, man. I'm still in the game. I can move this finger. I got this going for me right here. And, you know, if I can just buy enough time to crawl back to the corner, give me a minute to heal and come out and fight again. You know, give me that, man. Just give me the corner. One was, you know, cut me and splash my eyes. You know, it's kind of like Rocky, you know. The other thing that reminds me of is only a flesh wound. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I don't need that. You know, I learned a lot from Fight Club. Fight Club really helped me through a lot of stuff and still helps me through life. Um, we buy things to impress people that don't give a crap about us. Uh, we do a lot of things. The things you own end up owning you. You know, I had uh, I, I had uh, four offices in three different states. So I, I had a house in Utah. I had two apartments in Denver and Vegas. They were all filled with, you know, duplicates of everything. Uh, two BMWs and a Jag in Denver. Uh, two BMWs in any given airport in Vegas and Salt Lake. Um, and you start you start cutting away at yourself and you're like, well, if I, I can lose one BMW, well, I can lose the gold watch. Well, I can lose this. Well, I can lose that. Well, I can, I can pawn this. And, you know, it, it, you start realizing that all this crap you own doesn't mean anything. And that at the core, it comes down to like, who am I? And in the book, I talk about losing my partner or him quitting on me. And I, you know, I went through that uh, Howard Stern experience with, uh, with uh, the joke man um, where I thought I lost my mojo. Turns out my mojo was always me. Uh, again, with the 2008 thing, I thought I lost my mojo because I thought 
my assets and the things I owned were Chris Voss. They were not. When you stripped them away and some of the things we've been talking about earlier, really your biggest asset is you. It's what's between these two ears and in your health and, and whatever you have that you can still fight with, you know, I mean, it's go back to the caveman, you know, you can still fight the tiger. You may, you got you may, it might just have a stick, but you know, it's either you or get eaten. So you might, you might as well just fight whatever you can with that tiger. And maybe if you, maybe if you win, you get a meal. So there you go. Yeah. And, and continuing to fight, even when it seems like you can't, I mean, yeah. there's always something left. Um, and I think that's where like that community, the tribe you've talked about is vital because that is like the most encouraging. Now you have to be careful who's in your tribe because you don't want a bunch of yeah. other people that are like, eh, it doesn't matter. Give up. No, you want people that are going to like lift you up and encourage you and call you out on your stuff when you're going the wrong direction. Yeah. So you've got to uh, find good people. But the great thing about men is most men we 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 have a real basic paradigm. We know loyalty. We know tribalism because that's what we do. So we need to go utilize that. I would also say if you're depressed, I back in 2008, what I should have been doing is not drinking vodka. I should have been at the gym. And even then, if I couldn't have afforded the gym, I should have just gotten a bunch of bricks and started lifting them up. You know, yeah. So lifting, or you can go, you know, like run, whatever. I mean, exactly. there's always a way. That's free. Yeah, because yeah. it's not like. If, if you look at it differently from the perspective of, I can't do this, but what can I do? Yeah. We'll see that there's more around us. Just like when you've talked about working from gratitude, gratitude will set our perspective differently. Yeah. And so it's looking at what do you have available? What skills, what, what uh, tools, assets, like you said, um, just what's around us um, puts us in a different place and, a, and a, has different opportunities even. Yeah. The gym's really changed my mindset. So I, I really recommend that. And then being with other men, like yeah. even gaming, I game with other men. We get together and we talk man stuff, you know, we, you know, we be men, but men need that. We need that. And, and I think that's what um, a lot of men feel lost in and lacking. And, and, you know, we're fighting with this whole, how do we balance being like not toxic masculinity, but masculinity, um, and, 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 but still be healthy, you know, and talk about our feelings maybe a little bit more and, you know, maybe go to the doctor a little bit more, which, you know, normally we're like, ah, it's still flesh wound, you know, and, you know, maybe we should go check our heart and, you know, have the colonoscopy every now and then. Yeah. In, in the gaming aspect, it's like, I'll, I'll game with my, <laughs> my son and, That's good. and we'll trash talk, but, uh, he's, He's usually kicking my tail. So <laughs> yeah. I would have kids if I knew they could do raids, raids for me and get my characters lifted up. There you go. <laughs> I'm thinking about adopting a 12 year old who's really good at uh, Call of Duty. <laughs> I'm like, I can't. I'm going to adopt either. my own Call of Duty team. <laughs> there you go. You'll, you'll, you'll have a farm team. <laughs> yeah, I, I need a battlefield uh, crew and a raiding crew of, of kids, but. I've often thought, you know, when I saw my brother have his 12-year-old son be really good at raiding and doing online gaming, I'm like, I would have had kids if I would have known this is a thing. Chris, dude, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. Man. Thank I you for appreciate your authenticity, like your openness, the encouragement, gratitude, and just persevering mm -hmm. and uh, building a tribe of men around you that help you navigate that stuff. Mm -hmm. um, 
how can how can guys reach out to you um, to to talk to you to find your book, The Beacons of Leadership? How can mm-hmm. they they get in touch? My Call of Duty gamer tag is I'm just kidding. No, you can. I think it's Chris Foss one. Uh, let's see. Uh, Beaconsofleadership.com is a place you can go see the book and everything we're doing. We're building a mastermind on that. The ChrisFossShow.com, of course, is where the show is. And a lot of the review products and stuff that we do. You can follow me anywhere on social media under uh, social media Chris Voss, except for the ChrisVoss.com. Um, but on social media, we're on Chris Voss. So Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, all that sort of good stuff. Follow me. I'm I'm incredibly social. I'm got a huge mouth. Chris, thank you very thank you. much. Thank you, sir. Thanks so much, my friend, for joining me on another episode. If you found the information within the show helpful, please leave a review on the platform you're listening to. It helps raise the show's visibility so other men can join us in breaking free. See you on the next episode. And remember to continue putting yourself out there. Have a great one.